forget everything you've ever heard about dieting. What if you could eat the foods you love and find a way to get fit that was actually enjoyable? Welcome to Have It All with Devin Alexander. The chef from TV's Biggest Loser has lost 70 pounds and kept it up for over 30 years. She has also helped others to stop yo-yo dieting and actually transformed their lives. Now, here's your host, Devin Alexander. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here today because I have a killer guest who I'm going to bring on in a couple minutes. But he is a master at leadership and what he calls emotional courage, um, something that I know I could use work on. So his name is Peter Bregman. You've probably heard him because he has so many best-selling books and things. But I'll give him a full intro in a second. Uh, meanwhile, I had the absolute most exciting week ever because, for those of you who know, my baby girl, who I've been talking about here ever since I was blessed with her back in November um, through foster care. I got her when she was two days old. As of this week, she's 10 months old. And we went to court on Thursday. And I'm excited to say that her parents' rights were terminated. Um, I know some people are like, how is that exciting? But the truth is, um, they left her at the hospital never to look back. So she would otherwise be in the foster care system without the love that I'm able to give her. Um, If I was battling them, it would be a little bit different saying that. But because she has no one um, besides me and my community of friends, I'm so excited that the courts uh, ruled that I am her prospective adoptive parent Um, So if nobody comes forward in the next 60 days, her birth certificate will be changed and she will come my forever daughter. Um, You can hear me get emotional. Um, It was actually a crazy ride on Thursday. I thought that I was going to be in the courtroom early in the morning, as many knew, and then that's not what happened at all. And it wasn't confirmed until early this week that what happened uh, or yes, what happened happened. Um, But as I said, I'm overjoyed and uh, have never felt so blessed in my life. So I'm going to leave that update there as not to take any time away from our guests, but thank you for all your love and prayers because so many people have been so supportive and um, I couldn't have handled the emotional roller coaster without you. Okay, um, on that note, Peter Bregman. For over 20 years, he has worked with CEOs and senior leaders to help them create accountability and inspire collective action on their most important work. He helps leaders to develop their leadership skills, build aligned collaborative teams, and overcome obstacles to drive results in their organizations. This obviously applies to running your households as well. Um, best-selling author and one of Inc. Magazine top 100 leadership speakers, Peter Bregman unlocks the secrets of highly successful leaders in his most recent book, Leading with Emotional Courage, How to Have Hard Conversations, Create Accountability, and Inspire Action on Your Most Important Work, which describes an overlooked and essential skill of leading at the highest levels, emotional courage. One of Global Guru's top 30 time management professionals for 2018, Bregman is also the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, 18 Minutes. Find your focus, master distraction, and get the right things done. He's the author of Point B, A Short Guide to Leading a Big Change, and Four Seconds, 
all the time you need to stop counterproductive habits and get the results you want. A New York Post top pick for your career in 2015. Consistently the most read blogger at Harvard Business Review, Peter's articles and commentary appear frequently in Bloomberg, Business Week, Fast Company, Psychology Today, Forbes, CNN, NPR, Fox, Business News, The Financial Times, and PBS. Uh, for more information on him, go to BregmanPartners.com right after we talk to him. Welcome, Peter. Devin, thank you so much. I love that introduction. It makes me sound, uh, you know, more impressive than I sort of feel. No, and- no, no, not at all. I know you well enough to know that that's even a small piece of things because you also have a bike that folds down that you meet people with. <laughs> that's true. And, <laughs> and you know, we can't start without my saying congratulations. You are such an amazing and loving mother, and I, I see it, and it's obvious, and that girl is very, very lucky to have you, and, uh, you know, it's just, that's very exciting, so all the best on that. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, just a minute on that. It, it's, it, it's been overwhelming, because she really does feel like my daughter. Like, I literally am like, ever since I had her, and I was like, oh yeah, I didn't actually have her. So, um, it's amazing <laughs> how much love we can have for them, and... Oh, talk about emotional courage. I think I might um, <laughs> I might have to throw a little chapter into your book. <laughs> I mean, I think it's true. There's nothing, you know, I'm a parent of three kids. And th- this book, you know, while I have a lot of experience in organizations and using emotional courage in organizations, there's nothing harder that I do in life than parent. Like, there's nothing. And yeah. there's nothing harder emotionally. There's nothing harder psychologically. There's nothing harder intellectually, actually, that than parenting. It's one of the toughest things. And and so it's kind of fun to talk about that in the context of leading with emotional courage because, you know, the the double entendre of the title of this book is it's either as a leader, but it's also leading with emotional courage, like starting with emotional courage, like you show up with emotional courage, you lead with that. And you know, just to make the decisions that you make in life around, you know, your child is is already you have to show up with that kind of emotional courage. Yeah. Well, I would love for you to talk a little bit about how this became a topic. I know you have all these brilliant books. I've For those, I haven't shared this, but I met Peter at a dinner a few years ago, I believe, um, in New York City. It was when the blizzard, supposed blizzard that was turning down or like shutting down the entire city was supposed to happen and then didn't. And we wound up at this dinner together and I was instantly taken by, Peter has so many great ideas. I mean, even his book, Four Seconds, it's like, you're like, wait, what could possibly happen in four seconds? And he's all about if you take those four seconds to make sure you're not saying something impulsively, it can change your life. And so, as I said, I've just, I've loved following you and your work. And, and as I uh, quickly said, like Peter, literally, in addition to all of this, and we'll talk about this toward the end, probably, but stays in amazing shape. And part of it is you have a meeting with him in New York and he shows up on a bike that he then folds up and you're like, what just happened? You know, it's the best way to get around New York is is to ride a bike. And the I have this folding bike. It's good. It's a Brompton. It's a British-made bike, but they're fantastic bikes, and they fold really small. <laughs> and and New York City has gotten a lot safer, uh, knock on wood, uh, to ride in. So it it gets me where I have to go pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think it takes emotional courage to ride a bike in New York City, but. Um... But no, so how did you come up with this 
particular topic? So, you know, the, the topics kind of find me and, and it's often things that I struggle with or that I'm working on. So, you know, the, 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 you know, like you, you know, so well that you write books about issues that you grapple with and explore and engage with and are meaty for you. Like we don't, I know for me, I don't figure something out completely and then say, okay, now I'm going to share my great wisdom because I'm some guru from on up high who descends my <sighs> heavenly perch to share all my wisdom. And then I go back to my perfect life. Like I, I, it's like I was saying about parenting and leading and, and, you know, I work with CEOs and leadership teams and it's hard. And, and I, and I see the work that, you know, like life is hard. I just, you know, like, it's just, it's hard. There's a lot of hard things that we need to do. And, and we often shy away from them. And, you know, if you look at all of my books, they all focus in one form or another on this idea, which is how do we get our most important work done? How do we follow through on the things that are most important to us? And, you know, since, since diet and fitness and exercise is, is such a big topic, you know, for you and your listeners, like I, I, I struggle with it as much as anybody. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm fit and I'm at the right weight and I exercise a lot. But, you know, food is probably on my mind more than it needs to be and, <laughs> and or that it should be. And, and I'm very conscious of choices and I'm constantly trying to, to work through, like to explore and to think about and to experience like what's working for me and what's not working for me. And, and, and it, it comes down a lot to emotional courage. So maybe I'll share the idea of emotional courage and then I can talk about why it's been so relevant to so many different parts of my life. Does that work? I love it. So emotional courage is very simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple, which is it's mm. the willingness to feel. So if you think of a hard conversation that you're not having, right? Think about, you know, you know you have to have this conversation, but you know it's going to be a hard conversation and you've procrastinated and you haven't. Ah. Had. Now, think about <laughs> Don't make why. me think about that. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, think about it. You know what I'm saying? So think about why you haven't had it. And I'm betting you know exactly what you want to say. I'm betting you've had every opportunity and time to say it. And I'm betting you're skilled enough to say it. So those are the things that we would normally say, oh, this is getting in my way. But it turns out that those things are not. So what is it? And it's it's because if you have that conversation, you're going to have to feel stuff. You're going to have to feel maybe the other person's anger or their defensiveness or your own anger and defensiveness. You might have to feel passive aggressiveness coming at you later. You might have to feel sort of shame or they might come back at you and then you're going to have to explain your own actions and that's going to make you feel stuff. And so because you don't want to feel it, you end up not following through. And if you are willing to feel everything, if you're willing to feel the shame and the anger and the passive aggressiveness and your own discomfort, if you're willing to feel everything, then you can do anything. And that's what emotional courage is. And if you think about it, because I think about this often, it's so, so fun to be on your show, Devin, because, <sighs> because I think about this and I use these food examples and exercise and fitness examples all the time in to leadership crowds. So it's kind of nice to be using these examples to a crowd that actually probably wants to hear these examples. <sighs> but, but, you know, when I think about, okay, I don't want to eat that chocolate cake that's sitting in front of me because I just don't want to eat it because I know it's not going to make me feel good on the long term. And I know it's not healthy for me. I know it's not in line with my goals. And yet 
it is sitting there seducing me at the table <laughs> with everybody else eating it. So what do I need in that moment in order to not eat it? Like, what do I need? I, I know everything I need to know. I have plenty of skill to not do something, right? It's just don't uh-huh. do it, right? <laughs> so, so like, what is it that I need? And I have to be willing to feel stuff. I have to be willing to feel that everybody's enjoying something and talking about something and I'm not going to do it. I have to feel maybe some sense of deprivation if that's what I feel. I have to feel longing. I have to feel like the tension of wanting something and not getting it. I have to feel, I don't know what it's going to be for you or for other people, but I know for me, that's all those things that I'm willing to feel. And if I'm willing to feel all of those things, then I won't eat that chocolate cake. And if I'm not willing to feel longing, then I'll eat it so I don't long for it anymore. And then Mm. I'll go against the goals and go against what it is that I want to do. So if I'm willing to feel everything, if I'm willing to feel a little bit of hunger, if I'm willing to feel emotions that normally drive me to eat, if I'm willing to feel those and not eat in order to not feel them, if I'm willing to feel those, maybe loneliness, maybe frustration, maybe worry or anxiety, if I'm willing to feel that stuff, Uh then I'm not going to do the things I do in order to not feel those things that don't work for me, like eat that chocolate cake. (sighs) This is so brilliant. (laughs) Thank you. It is funny. I struggle with it. You know, it's like not easy. It's not like, oh, all you have to do is feel then because feeling is hard. It's hard to feel things. See, it's so funny. Like, for those who don't know, when Peter says he's fit, like, he's really fit. Um, And so it's so funny to hear you say these things because, I mean, even now, like, I know not to have assumptions. I know that I go in a room of people who've walked in to hear me speak about diabetes or whatever, and you can look around a room and have no idea who's actually most affected. I mean, one of my friends is tiny like you would never guess is diabetic because he likes to drink you know I mean that's what he told me I didn't assess that and I'm just like what and so yeah it's really interesting because like I assume that someone who is built like you who's always been fit who you know and you'd think like someone would clunk me in the head by now and be like no no they have feelings too they're just you know better at making those choices sometimes than I am um but no, that's, it's really interesting that um, this whole take on it, because I didn't know, I mean, I knew that what you were going to say was going to be relative, relevant to my audience. Um, I did not know that you were going to bring up the chocolate cake. <laughs> yeah, a chocolate cake is not even the biggest uh, I'm really into ice cream. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's, but you know, and I, I want to say like, yeah, like I have discipline and I have self-control. I think I'm also blessed with like very, very fortunate metabolism. So like I could eat a lot of stuff and, and maybe it's cause I exercise a lot or maybe it's cause I'm lucky, but, but it's, you know, like, but it's, it's definitely something I manage because I don't feel good. It is actually kind of amazing. Can we just talk diet for a second? It's yeah. kind of amazing that I can stare at that, like, you know, ice cream and know, know with certainty that while it will be pleasurable for about five minutes, I will emerge my conversation with the ice cream feeling much worse. Like, I know that. I know that with certainty. And yet, it's so hard not to eat the ice cream because it tastes really good. <laughs> and it feels something that I want to feel. 
Yeah, right? you, you know what's funny about that? So I have been exploring, talk about like you write about something because it strikes you and you're wrestling with it. Like it just recently occurred to me that so many people eat foods and like so many people never enjoy anything they eat because when they're eating like plain chicken or whatever because they think they should, they hate it. And then when they're eating something like chocolate cake, they don't even enjoy it because they're saying they shouldn't. So and interesting. So I have this new thing that I'm like, if you're going to eat the chocolate cake, like Enjoy come into the cake and be like, oh my God, this is amazing. I um, agree. I agree with you a hundred percent. So I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. No, go ahead. You were going to say, well, something. I, cause I, you know, like, so I'm, I'm constantly looking for hacks for this uh-huh. so that uh-huh. I can make my life easier, even though I don't really like the concept of hacks, but, but I, I still use them. And, and it's, this is like something that it was like, it's such an interesting thing. So I, I'm at dinner and I'm at a Shabbat dinner. So I'm Jewish and we have these Friday night dinners to celebrate, you know, the coming Sabbath and we have lots of friends over and it's, a, it's always nice really Friday night. And I had a friend of mine over who's a personal trainer and, and there's always really great desserts because people always bring great desserts on Friday night dinners. And, and I'm, you know, and she's like, you know, she knows me very well. So she asks me the question that everybody makes fun of me and asks me, so are you on sugar or are you off sugar? Right. Ah. Because I'm either like on sugar or off sugar. Oh no! And I'll say like, I'm off sugar. I'm done. I'm done with sugar. I know it's not healthy for me. I know it's not good. I'm off sugar, but they still need, you know, they would like, how long have you been off sugar? I'm like, as soon as I finish this dessert, I'm off sugar. Right. Ah. Um, And so she said, you know, you you really like Shabbat, right? You like the Sabbath. You like Friday night. You you know, you like you're with friends and 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 I I've never liked the idea of a cheat day. Like it's just like it's like I'm either like I'm doing it or I'm not doing it, right? And and then she's like, but so she's explaining the cheat day, but in a totally different context. And I've thought, which is Sabbath in in Judaism is like a day to just relax and let go of everything. Like you stop working. You stop. Here's how I think about it, which I really like it. You stop trying to change the world in any way. If you spend six days a week trying to change the world in whatever way for the good, like in, in Judaism, you say tikkun olam, which is repairing of the world. Like if you're trying to repair the world, if you're trying to make the world a better place every single day on Saturday, on Friday night, Saturday, you stop trying to make the world a better place. You just enjoy the world for what it is. You just relax and enjoy. And so she's like, why don't you just take Shabbat? And not worry about your diet at all. Just eat whatever you feel like eating. Enjoy the world as it is. And the other six days, you can go back to like being disciplined and regimented. And I thought like, like while I didn't love the idea of cheat days, I thought like, this is really what the Sabbath is all about. And, and <laughs> I'm going to become Jewish. <laughs> I know. And it's been like a couple of weeks, but I have to say it's totally working. Right. And it's like that thing that you say, like where, where, you know, last week I actually ate too much sugar on Shabbat, but I felt like, you know what, I, I didn't really want to eat all of that. I just kind of ate it because I knew I could because it was Shabbat. So next Shabbat, we're going to see what happens. But it gives me a sense of just relaxing and enjoying everything for at least one day a week. And hopefully that might filter into other elements of my life. Oh, my God. So I love that because... I hate cheat days, one, because I think they were invented by trainers who have discipline, which I do not. So, (laughs) like, okay, you can do that. All I do on cheat day is eat everything that I might eat on all the other days. You know, like, I might miss this next week or, like, on Wednesday, so I better eat it now. And then when I'm at a party and there's amazing chocolate cake, I can't have it and I feel deprived and it's, 
like this whole cycle of ridiculousness that just I realized does not work for me. Like there's no such thing. It's like when something is so good that I can say out loud, this is so good and, you know, declare it and people watch me enjoy it, then I'll eat it. And otherwise I don't. That's sort That's of my great. thing. I love but it. I, I love your, I, I love that Shabbat, like, because that is a celebration. And if you know there's going to be great food there, that works. Uh, it's great. You're it's right. Great. It's not a cheat day. It's like, right. uh, chill, like awesome. I love it. I love it. Huh. So we have just about two minutes till break, but I, I do want to continue um, right now to like give another little, how does this apply to your relationships? So, you know, it's all in every way, right? If you think about the relationships and let's just up the ante and think about your most important relationship, right? You know, the relationship that you um, hold most dear and it could be with your daughter, right? For you, Devin, it could be with, you know, a a partner or spouse or, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, or it could be with whoever, like, you know, it could be with your mother and father, right? Or um, whoever your most important relationship is, those are the relationships where surprisingly it is often the hardest to have the most real conversations because the stakes are higher, uh-huh. right? If you like piss off someone who you don't know very well, who cares? Yeah. But if you, you know, really upset someone who's really close to you, or if you like mess with your kid's head, or if, you know, <laughs> your parents disapprove of you, uh, someone just said to me, it's interesting. And, and I, um, I just did this video shoot uh, and I'm hosting this TV show that's like a, a kind of a video show. And, and I had my daughter uh, come, who's 16, my oldest daughter, to come to, to, you know, she really wanted to see me on set and she came on set. And, and I t- said to the, you know, I was talking with the producer and I said to the producer, like, it's so interesting because the first half of your life, you just spend trying to, to like impress your parents. The second half of your life, you just spend trying to impress your kids. Like, <sighs> you know, it's like, it's like, you know, you're constantly trying to like, you want people to feel good about you. And those are the people for whom being true and being honest and showing up as your full, complete, complicated, beautiful self is hardest. Those are the people for whom you need the most emotional courage to say, see me, here I am, this is me. Or I have something really important I want to share with you, and it's getting in the way of our relationship. It's disconnecting us. And I really want to talk to you about it, even though I fear you'll run away as soon as I do. And your running away will destroy me because you're so important to me. Like Those are the conversations we end up pushing off. And because we push them off, we end up getting disconnected and distancing from the people we care about most. So emotional courage more than anything is needed in those situations. Okay, so we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about how to face the conversations and get the most out of every relationship. Stay tuned, everyone. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get 
guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com. Now, back to Have It All. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I am here with Peter Bregman, who is absolutely brilliant. He has this amazing book called Leading with Emotional Courage that's uh, new right now that I strongly encourage everyone get because it's life-altering. He is just, I mean, I could go on forever about how amazing he is. He has multiple books and is written up everywhere. Um, But we were talking before the break about how the conversations with the people closest to you are some of the hardest to have because the stakes are so much higher. You don't want to offend them. And, and uh, I know Peter has an 11 year old, a 13 year old and a 16 year old. And we all know that um, conversations can be really tough there. I'd love to Peter for you to kind of talk a little bit about how you do know what conversations to have when you're having trouble with your kids. You know, I, I love, I love that question, Devin. And I love it because (laughs) the answer is, you know, and part of why you need emotional courage is you don't know. Like, I mean, I've been doing this for a while and I think I've gotten like relatively good at it. And I swim in not knowing like most of the time, you know, so oh, like wow. I ju- you just don't know. And that's why you need emotional courage. Because if you knew, if I knew which conversations to have and which not, then I could just have them and I would know. But meanwhile, I'm sitting there and my 13-year-old is complaining about something and she doesn't... I mean, here's something that we really faced. There was there was this math program I wanted her to do. She really didn't want to do it. And 
And how do I know, like, she doesn't want to do it. Am I pushing her too hard? Am I pushing her just the right amount? Does she not want to do it because it's going to take energy and effort? And that's the kind of energy and effort that builds resilience. So I know it's important to her. On the other hand, she's doing all this other stuff. And is she right? And should she not be taking it? And where do I push? And where do I just let go? And if I just let go and let her do whatever she's going to do, Am I abdicating my role as the parent? And if I push her, am I being the sort of like, I know I could be kind of ambitious and aggressive and I've worked really hard <laughs> in my own life. So am I just imposing my values on her? Like, what do I do? And the and this is why I say parenting is so hard. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I have to I have to make bets. And then and and Eleanor, who's amazing, who's my wife, doesn't surprisingly doesn't always agree with me. Right. So, so um, now we have two people who are saying, well, you know, like now she doesn't know either. Right. But, but we're trying to make guesses and we're trying to figure out ourselves. And, and it feels, you know, like I said, when you need emotional courage, it feels like, you know, every decision we make about her is like live or die. It's like, this is <laughs> going to like make her into the woman that she blossoms into becoming, or, you know, like we're going to destroy her prospects in life. And, and like, that's what's so hard about parenting. And the truth is, because I do a lot of work with senior leaders and organizations, that's their challenge too. You know, when you're junior in an organization, when you just go in an organization, you look up at the people who are running the company and you expect them to know things. You expect them to sort of know the direction and understand where we're headed and have all the answers. And But when you get up to that level in an organization, which is very, very much like parenting, I mean, this is very much like parenting. When you're a kid, you look at your parents, you figure like they know things, right? But when you become a parent or when you become a leader, you realize that, the, that you don't know anything, that you're constantly operating in a realm of ambiguity and you're using a ton of experience to make the best choices you can make in uncertain situations. And that is exhausting and scary and requires a tremendous amount of emotional courage. So I would say that like, you know, to answer your question, how do you know when you have to have the conversation? You know, when I talk about this in leading with emotional courage, I talk about these four elements that you need. You need confidence in yourself, connection to others, commitment to purpose, and emotional courage. And so this first piece is the, and, and the book is about developing those four things. Like, how do I develop confidence in myself, connection to others, commitment to purpose, and emotional courage? And you need all of them. There's an assessment on our website that, that you could take that kind of tells you where you are on, on each scale. And it's related to chapters in the book. Every question is related to a chapter in the book. So if you want to develop something, then you kind of know where to go. And and you need all of them. It's not like a personality assessment where you say, you know, you're high in confidence, low in connection to others, but that's just who you are. Um, that's not the situation with this. You need to be strong in all of them. If you're confident in yourself and disconnected from others, then you're just come off as arrogant, and which arrogance, by the way, is just insecurity, not real confidence. But it, it's like it becomes all about you and you lose everybody. If you're totally connected to others, but not confident in yourself, and I bet there's a lot of people who fit this bill who are listening right now, then you give yourself up to please everybody around you. You don't have the confidence in yourself, but you have the connection to others. So you will do what it takes to make everybody else happy. And that is incredibly stressful. And you give yourself up and you end up in burnout. So you really need all four of these things really strongly. And the confidence in yourself is about trusting yourself. So even when I don't know whether I should have this conversation with my daughter, I'm... I'm going to trust myself enough to say, 
I'm going to make my best bet and I'm going to show up authentically and I'm going to have this really difficult conversation and I'm going to navigate my way through it. And I trust myself enough to act because the worst thing is if I don't trust myself and I don't act and then I'm just a passive you know, existence in the world, not impacting the things I want to impact. So I have to trust myself, but I also have to be really connected so that I can watch her and connect with her and listen to her, really sit and listen to her and be willing to be changed by her. So I have to trust myself enough to, to take the action. I also have to trust myself enough and be confident enough to be willing to be wrong in my connection with her as she tells me her perspective. So I uh-huh. think you need all of these things. It's a mix. Hmm. Okay, so I have a real life example if you'll uh, choose to go down this road with me. <laughs> sure. Um, so I, I often have a problem where I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And it's so funny when you're like a conversation you need to have. Um, the immediate thing that popped up is I do a lot of mentoring um, that also ends up not only being amazing for other people, but helps me. Um, because I'm not in a place where I can just, well, I guess I take that back. Some of the stuff I do is just for other people, but in my office, when I bring people in, like that's supposed to be a mutual, like they help me some, whether it be with a little bit of social media and then they wind up, you know, getting huge references. Or I even had someone who was an amazing graphic designer and photographer who's become more amazing and now has gone on. Like I got her magazine covers and all sorts of things. And she's just so integral in my life. Like after starting when she was a sophomore in college. So, I mean, like truly she has this amazing booming career because of who she is, but I was able to help her like get in places where she otherwise wouldn't is basically like at a young age. Um, People had no idea that she was like 19 and she shot like photos of me that I submitted to a magazine cover instead of using their photographer kind of thing. Um, which at 24 now she's booming, but there's another woman who I thought I might be able to complete that model with. And it turns out that the skills that I thought she had in the interview weren't exactly what she has. Um, and then on top of it, she's so insanely sweet that she asks like questions every other minute, including permission to go to the bathroom and things. That, um, I mean, like literally, like she's just the level of interruption. And then she was trying to help. We went to the grocery store. She was trying to help, you know, while I was putting the stroller together, she thought she'd help me take the baby out of the car seat and, um, accidentally like unhooked to the entire car seat kind of thing. Um, yeah. So now I have to go back to the fire station where the firefighters are sure at this point that I'm just <laughs> flirting with them because like, here's this single woman who's now needed her car seat installed four times. <laughs> um, so, you know, basically creating more havoc in my life and I'm seeing that her skills aren't so strong that I'm going to able to give back in a way that's going to really create power for her. And so I need to end this. And I am, she's so sweet that I just, I'm like, uh, you know, that conversation yeah. you don't want to have. And I'm like, how does that apply to this? Got it. Am I okay, just so ridiculous and awful. And I just know that I need to do it and I need to do it or, or, uh, I'm going to give you a few different answers, but you do need okay. to do it. That's the punchline. I'm going to lead with yeah. the punchline, which is, okay. the, um, first of all, I am curious. Are you flirting with the, with the firemen? No, that's okay. Just, I was just, thing. I was just asking. I was just no. asking. I mean, okay. you know, it's, it, it's funny because 
I haven't connected with any of them, or maybe I would be. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to say, yeah. like, both could be true, right? You yeah, also, no, I'm like, really you know. not. Like, it's really just truly embarrassing. Okay. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. So I have a couple of thoughts. One is, um, uh, don't be nice, be helpful. And I don't mean don't be nice, right? Huh. But don't yeah. be so nice that you're not helpful. She needs this from you. She, this will be really, really, this is why she's drawn to you for mentorship is because she wants to get better. She wants to be stronger. And so, and you have that capability. So it would be robbing her of something if you didn't have the conversation. So the question is how to have the conversation in a way that's really supportive of her. And in a way which she emerges feeling, you know, where you have the best chance of her emerging feeling good. And so there's a couple of things. One thing I'll say, and I talk about this in, in the book and Leading with Emotional Courage. One thing I'll say is what I just said is lead with the punchline, right? So one of the mistakes we make when we have hard conversations is we talk around the thing for 15 or 20 minutes and then we get to the thing. And the person sitting there going, wait, what are we talking about? And am I getting, you know, am I getting promoted or fired? Am I getting complimented or criticized? I'm kind of confused. The message is getting lost. And all of that buildup is uncomfortable for both you and her. So I would start with the punchline. I would start by saying, look, I have some feedback that I think can make you, there's, there's some things you're doing that are getting in your way, and I want to share it with you so that you can become the strongest person I know that you have the capability of becoming, right? Okay. Say it right off the bat, first sentence, and then you can go into it. Here's what it is. Here's what can better. Now, I have a mentor. Her name is Murmur Blakesley. She's, an, um, she's been my ski coach for 30 years. <sighs> we both teach skiing. She's an amazing skier. She's a, on the national demo team, and, and I'm a ski instructor. And, we, you know, we, we, and I'm also a ski instructor who trains other ski instructors. So I'm a train-the-trainer oh, wow. ski instructors. And, this I did and, not know. And, she, and she's amazing. And she's, so she, and she's also a writer and a writing coach. Oh. And so I've known her for 30 years. We met when I was 10 and she was 20. And, and, and amazingly that spread has sustained. So now I'm 50 and she's 60. Wow. And, and, uh, and she, and I said to, and I gave some feedback to a ski instructor who, who took it personally. And I, and I said to her, you know, give me some advice, Merm. Like, how do you, you know, you give me feedback all the time and I love it and I'm learning. I'm becoming a better skier. I'm giving this guy feedback and he's taking it, you know, he's upset. And, and she's like, well, you you know, you're two different people. And I said, great. Now help me like with this person. <sighs> and, and she said, well, it's easy. Here's why it's easy. Skiing is, you know, she's, this is a woman who's devoted at least half of her life to skiing. I, I mean, like from a young, young age, half of her life has always been about skiing. The winter half of her life has always been about skiing. And she's reached the highest levels of ski professionalism. Uh, you know, she's the person that people look to to say, how should we ski? And she determines the sort of skiing model that people use, right? And her answer was, it's easy. Skiing is stupid. So it doesn't matter. Like, you're just going down a hill and playing with gravity. So, like, just give them the feedback. And I said, okay, so first of all, I know you don't totally think that's true, although I know her enough to know she kind of does, and she just does it, and it's fun, and she takes it seriously. But I said, how about writing, right? Writing is something people take very personally. How do you give feedback to people about their writing that doesn't crush them? And she said, oh, it's easy. It's not about them. It's about the story. I'm an advocate of the story. 
I want them to create the best story possible. So I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about how we can collaborate to make a great story. And I love that answer because it's like, if it's all about you, then then you might take it personally. But if it's about what we're trying to get done and how you can show up more effectively in order to get this thing done, then there's less shame involved because I'm not just focusing on you. I'm focusing on this thing outside in the world that we're trying to make better. So in some ways, if you're going to give feedback, lead with the punchline. And then the second is, what is it that you are trying to accomplish with her? And then help her focus on that and give her feedback about what would help her achieve that objective more effectively. And then it's about the objective and her achieving the objective and you're helping her to do something. Even if that something is her own growth, you're helping her to do something that's not just about here's what's wrong with you, right? So I would say lead with the punchline and make it about the story. Cool. So I have another question, uh, unrelated, but I have a friend who's a dating coach and like a super guru expert type. And she has this website where after she sets people up on a date, which she's very particular about, like she's my good friend and she's only set me up twice in 11 years kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's just when she really feels like people will connect. And um, she gives, after a date, you are required to give feedback on the other person, positive, negative, or otherwise, that they will never see, but just for her to know. And it's funny because at one point I had said, you know what, if he says anything, like I would actually really appreciate the feedback. I wouldn't get upset. Like I find dating to be not my easiest thing, maybe. Um, And I feel like I'm a good person and I am curious like why some, like what somebody would say that might be negative. And it's funny because she's like, yeah, you're like most women. She's like men on the other hand, they don't want it. (laughs) And I'm curious. Do you think it's a male-female thing, like that women take feedback better, want feedback more, that kind of thing? Is that just dating, or is that across the board? Um, I, uh, I'm actually a little surprised by the response, but, but I, I don't. I think it's like I think it's across the board. I think it's person by person. I think there's some people who, uh, who take feedback really well and want feedback. I've met, you know, in giving feedback to people, I would say you know, that I have had women and men equally be very defensive or, you know, um, uh, unresponsive to feedback and also responsive to feedback. So I haven't seen a gender difference. I mean, I believe her if she's seen it from a, um, you know, from a dating perspective. Uh, you know, it's been a while since I've dated, but I think if I were dating right now, I would be a glutton for feedback. I would want to know like what, like I would really want to know how I'm showing up in the world. You know, after this conversation, uh, you know, we're going to get off the air and we're having a ton of fun and I'm really loving it. And we're going to get off the air and I'm going to say to you, Devin, do you have any feedback for me? Like I, I, you know, I do this all the time and I want to keep getting better at it. And I'm, you know, and you do this all the time and you're amazing at it and you're, you know, a real professional and you're a lot of fun, and I'm sure you have observations. And so I don't want to miss those observations. And so I, I think it's really a little bit of a toss-up in terms of who it is. But I, for me, I don't see a gender distinction around it. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I, I, I honestly found that a little bit in my office. Like I, I've worked with a lot more women, to be honest. But they're right. ha- the toughest. If I have to say the toughest cases, who didn't want to, you know, do things or like be open to doing things my way, I'd say, have been men. I don't know if that's a coincidence. Um, but yeah, I was just curious in general, because I do find that it's harder sometimes. Well, no, I take that back. There, it's Each gender has their harder thing. Like with women, some of them are so sensitive that I really, really, really don't want to hurt their feelings. Right. <laughs> um, so that makes it really hard to have emotional courage. And then some men have gotten really defensive so yeah but but you're right it has been both genders like in general and you know i mean it's it when i'm brought in like when i'm specifically giving people feedback first of all i work with a lot of coaches we hire a lot of coaches so i work Uh with a lot of coaches and coaches are sort of feedback you know they're giving feedback all the time and they're sort of you know they tend to really like feedback and and also, when I'm brought into an organization, if I'm going to coach the CEO or I'm going to coach a leader in the organization, they're bringing me in in order to get feedback. So they still might be defensive about it, but I'm sort of set up to succeed in this a little bit because they are specifically paying, paying me, you. Yeah. <laughs> paying me yeah. in order to give them feedback. So if I didn't give them feedback, I would really be you know, missing the boat. Right. I'm curious. So our last few guests, ironically, have all said like a coach is the thing that they would really recommend, like save your money, hire a coach, give up the Starbucks, do what you have to do. Um, We only have four minutes left. I can't believe this hour has flown. But could you give us a couple little tips on like if you're going to hire a coach, like how do you get someone as awesome as you? Like what are you what what would you ask? Well, thank you for the compliment. And, and what I would do is I would have certainly have a conversation with them and, and see, you know, like I would look at a couple of things. One is I would look at like, do you get along with them? Like, do you get along with them? And even in the context of getting along with them, do they push you in the right way? So like, I I know when I'm being coached by someone, first of all, I want to know that there's a clear methodology, right? So I know I'm in good hands and it's not just like I, I, to me when, and I teach a lot of coaching and I, I, I teach coaches, um, to me, my definition of coaching is a reliable process that helps clients get massive traction on their most important work, huh. right? Or what's most important to them. If you want to think about it outside the context of work, right. a reliable process to get massive traction on what's most important to you. So there's three elements of that. And in my coach trainings, you know, we spend a day on each one of those elements, reliable process, massive traction, most important. Huh. And so first of all, I want to know that they have a reliable process, right? They have a process and, and you know, in, in our coach trainings, we teach a reliable process, but the process should work every time. Every time you get on a call with a coach or you're meeting with a coach, you should be moving through a process that allows you to get massive traction on what's most important to you. So the first is, do they have a strong, do you get along well? Do they have a process? Are they skilled at what they do? And do they have a process to do it? And do they hold you accountable in a way that inspires you to be better than you are and to sort of pursue the things that you might otherwise uh, not pursue? And I think if you answer all of those questions, yes, then it's probably a great fit. Oh, that's super helpful. Okay, speaking of helpful, I know you told us you have a quiz on your website to help us figure out what areas we're strong in. Can you tell us one more time how we can get that and how to find more information about you? 
If you go to www.bregmanpartners, B-R-E-G-M-A-N-P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S, bregmanpartners.com, and then everything's there. There's lots of free content there and videos and articles, and if you go to the resources books and you go to Leading with Emotional Courage, you can get more information about the book, and that's where you can access the assessment. And I assume you can click right there and buy the book. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. Um, I can't even tell you how much I've loved sharing this hour with you. Um, I guess I have to go make a hard call. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, I hope everyone has the most amazing week ever. I look forward to connecting next week. Thanks again, Peter. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Have a great week. You too. Thanks for listening to Have It All. Be sure to join Devin Alexander for another great show next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until we talk again, have a fit and fun week.